listening to Republic Broadcasting Network because you can handle the truth. Truth, 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 truth. It has come to our attention that a mysterious force is loose somewhere in outer space. Mysteries of creation are there. Up in the sky? Up in the sky. The moon and the planets are there. And new hopes for knowledge and peace are there. And therefore, as we set sail, we ask God's blessing on the most hazardous and dangerous and greatest adventure on which man has ever embarked. Shall bring disaster to evil factors Demonic chapters shall be captured by kings Through the storms of days after And to the earth from the sun through triple darkness To blast you with a force that can't be compared To any firepower For its mind power shared The brainwave causes vessels to circulate Like constellations reflect at night off the lake Word to the father and mother earth Seeking everlasting life through this hell for what it's worth Look, listen and observe and watch another sea cycle pulling my peeps to the curb. Heed the words, it's like ghetto style proverbs. The righteous pay a sacrifice to get what they deserve. Cannot afford to be confined to a cell. Brainwaves swell, turning the desert to a well. Experience the best teacher. Fox will spray like street sweepers. Little daddy street preacher, illustrious feature. Narrator you select, accompanied by deck plus the DJ you respect. The seven and a half combined over the front line. The ten percenters promoting slam. In the airtime, bear in mind, jewels be the tools of the trade. Sharp blades, heavenly praise, and dues are paid. Above the crowds, above the clouds, where the sounds are original. Infinite skills create miracles. Warrior spiritual, above the clouds, raining down, holding it down. Yeah, I leave scientists mentally scarred. Triple extra large, wow, like rock stars who smash guitars. Poison bars from the guards, bust holes in your mirage. Catch a charge, shake them down like the riot squad. Invade your zone, rule. Like ancient Rome, I span the universe and return to Earth to claim my throne. The maker, owner, plus soul controller. Ayatollah rest in the sky, the clouds my sofa. Stand like Colossus, regardless to whom or what. Numerous attempts in my life, so who to trust? Who but us to supply it with the fire, the burning truth? Welcome to the second installment of Left to Right. Today is the 6th of January 2018. I'm your host, Abdul Shahid, and thank you for joining me. First and foremost, Happy New Year to everyone. And may this year be the year we come together as a nation to combat the fallacies of cultural appropriation, fairness, and the Marxist construct of social justice. In my opinion, these insidious fabrications are the leading causes of this fake rift amongst the people of this great nation. We all must awaken from this self-induced, self-imposed idiocy. We can no longer allow the morally compromised, the self-righteous, and the politically corrupted to alter our modest belief in liberty and the pursuit of so-called happiness. In today's political arena, politicians cage to those with their hands out begging for change, shaking their hands with their right and simultaneously robbing you with their left hand. Does anyone know how much was truly spent on the political campaigns of 2017? 
The same recycled garbage politicians have been peddling for generations incredibly disgusting and disturbing. Example, no more foreign wars. Or bring our troops home. Or income equality for everyone. Do any of these sound familiar? What happened to the old school mentality of pulling yourself up by the bootstraps? What happened to the ambition or desire to be your best? Where has the hard work and determination of this great nation gone to? When did it become the standard to accept failure and mediocrity as the norm? Before we continue, if you'd like to join this conversation, please call 800-313-9443. Again, the number is 800-313-9443. As a brief reminder, this network needs your support. Please go to republicbroadcasting.org, and at the top right-hand corner, click the Donate button and contribute what you can. Continuing on, I'd like to play a clip from a speech by Dr. Thomas Sowell, who was attempting to confront the ideas of social justice justice, and gives a brief description of uh, his disposition. Now, if those that don't know who Thomas Sowell is, he's the African-American well, let me take that back. He's an American um, educator and a very smart and profound guy. And uh, he came from tough beginnings uh, to become a, a great American, in my in my opinion. And and I uh, actually agree with a lot of what he says. But um, if you get a chance, let's play that clip. Now, what's called, what I call cosmic justice has been called by some people social justice. But I think they're unduly modest because they're trying to correct not only the uh, inequities that they see in society, they're trying to to correct the old... technical difficulties on my end, so my apologies. What I call cosmic justice has been called by some people social justice. But I think they're unduly modest because they're trying to correct not only the uh, inequities that they see in society, they're trying to to correct the oversights of God or the defects of the cosmos. Uh, When when some people are born uh, with physical or mental handicaps, they want to counterbalance that. And, of course, that's not always caused by society. So that when Moral says that undeserved inequalities, he includes all sorts of things. And that, that opens up a very large area uh, for, for others. You can find this perspective on uh, justice, the Rawlsian perspective, in many places, from the street corner community activists right up to the chambers of the Supreme Court. For example, a few years ago, a, uh, an admissions director at Stanford University wrote a book in which she pointed out that during all her years as an administrative director, she had never required students to submit achievement tests. Because some of those students, she said, through no fault of their own, attended schools where they could not have acquired the, t- the skills necessary to do well on such tests. So she's trying to redress the inequalities, and therefore she would simply not require such tests. Uh, the, co- the educational testing service is currently engaging in a, a renorming of test scores 
to take into account the social backgrounds and handicaps of the students so that the score will then, again, redress pre-existing inequalities rather than applying the same standards uh, to everybody. Uh, whenever I hear the notions of fairness in education, I think back to my own education. And I think, thank God my teachers were unfair to me when I was a kid growing up in Harlem. Uh, one of these teachers was a lady named Miss Simon, who belonged to what might be called the General Patton School of Education. Uh, I cannot even imagine that Miss Simon gave a moment's thought to my self-esteem. <laughs> Every word that we misspelled in her class had to be written 50 times. Not in class, but as part of our homework. And there was always plenty of other homework from her and other teachers. And so you misspelled four or five words, and you had quite an evening ahead of you. <laughs> Very little chance of listening to the Lone Ranger. Now, was this fair in Rawlsian terms? And the answer is no. Like many of the children in Harlem at that time, I came from a home where nobody had gone beyond elementary school. I still remember what a big fuss was made when I was promoted to the seventh grade because I had gone further than anyone else. Uh, in later years when I graduated from Harvard, it, there was no such fuss. They expected me to. <laughs> <laughs> but fairness was never an option. There was nothing that Ms. Simon or anybody else could do about the fact that we came from homes uh, where we did not have books and magazines, and we were not as familiar with those words as people from other neighborhoods might have been. So that was never an option. Uh, nothing that the schools could have done would have changed that. It would have been an irresponsible self-indulgence for them to have pretended to make things fair. If there's anything worse than unfairness, it is make-believe fairness. They could, like the college board apparently is trying to do, pretended that we knew more than we did. And that would have made them feel good. It would not have done much for us. Instead, they forced us to meet standards that were a little harder for us to meet than they were for some other kids, but far more necessary for us to meet, because that was the only way out of poverty. Many years later, I happened to uh, run into one of the other kids from Harlem who w went to that same school at the same time. Uh, and by now, he was a, a psychiatrist. He owned a, a home in the Napa Valley and property out there. In fact, n now he's uh, retired, living overseas with servants, while yours truly is still trying to make a living. <laughs> but as we uh, reminisced about uh, things that had happened in the old days and what had happened in between, one of the things he mentioned was that over the years, his various secretaries had commented on the fact that he seldom misspelled a word. <laughs> I told him that my secretaries had made that very same observation and that if they knew Miss Simon, there would be no mystery as to why we did not misspell words. Now, it so happens I became a high school dropout. But what I was taught before I dropped out was enough for me to score higher on the verbal SAT than the average Harvard student which may have had something to do with my being admitted to Harvard in the era before affirmative action was even thought of. What if the teachers of that era had been imbued with the present-day conception of fairness? Uh, 
Where would my schoolmate and I be today? On welfare, in prison, perhaps in a halfway house if we were lucky. And would that not have been an injustice? To take individuals capable of independent, self-supporting, and self being self-directed women and men with pride in their own achievements and turn them into dependents, clients, supplicants, mascots. Now the primary purpose of mascots is to minister to symbolize something that makes other people feel good. The actual fate of the mascot himself is seldom a major consideration. The uh, argument here is not against real justice or real equality. Both of these things are desirable in themselves. The only argument is that some versions of these things are simply impossible. And that trying the impossible has costs and, and real dangers as well. Uh, after all, the people who manned the communist movement around the world before the Soviet Union was established didn't devote themselves to this cause for the sake of creating gulags and, se and secret police and territorial aggrandizement. They did it because they were seeking social justice. But what actually happened shows some of the costs and some of the dangers of that. Most ordinary Americans still have the traditional conception of justice. And that means the people who have this cosmic notion of justice must misrepresent what is happening as being a violation of traditional justice. And therefore, they must, for example, misrepresent test results as being... Okay. Now, bless his heart. Now, isn't he speaking the truth to all spectrums of, of the American people, especially in his own situation, a kid from Harlem, or with education less than, than high school, elementary education? His family and himself didn't look for handouts from the government. They didn't look to someone else to to help them with their struggles. Where's that today? Do we even have that today? Of course we do. In sections here in America, in mid-America, and across this nation, we do have people who are, are willing to to work hard for themselves and and to be the best they can be. And does not require me going to the welfare line or to talk a politician and, and have them speak or address my 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 concerns as as a human being. It's our responsibility. To work out our issues, it's our responsibility to maintain our family. It's our responsibility to correct the wrongs that go on in our community. No one else's. Now, I'm I'm going to read a brief uh, couple paragraphs from this book called "The Governing Crisis" by W. Lance Bennett media, money, and marketing in American elections. Um, this section I'm going to read is, is, is speaking to 
um, the politics of news media, reading as, as follows. The question of what happened to the press's responsibility to the public requires us to examine several factors. After the crucial political decisions of the 1930s, the next 50 years saw the increasing weakening of few regulations in place on broadcasters, with the result that less obligation was imposed on the press to present informational programming and competing views, or competing point of views. The fine factor in this mix was the recent buyout of the nation's media by distant corporate conglomerates, with primary loyalties to shareholders together with executive level levels doubt that serving public interests makes sense either economically or politically. Thus, it was that news organizations had little incentive to engage in a critical, enterprising, or investigative reporting. Fading from the nation's memory is the spirit of public interest journalism. Even worse, at a time when angry citizens are short on good explanations for their anger, Critical journalism has been smeared with liberal label, with a liberal label, by the very interests that least want to have their political dealings exposed in the process. Replacing the vanishing ideal of a watchdog press and the evolving industry norm that might be called presumed democracy. This everyday work and agreement between press and politicians can be stated simply as follows. Elected politicians are presumed to represent the public interest. And if for some reason they don't do it, after all, a free country in which disgruntled citizens have no complaint, they are free to elect representatives that they like better. In effect, this assumption allows politicians to set the daily tone of most of the news, scandals, policy debates, election campaigns, and all. The trouble with presumed democracy is that it is too simple to be true. The course of least resistance for news organizations favors government-issued news, which is more efficient, more easily gathered, standardized, and less subject to politicians' charges or politicians' charges of press bias. In the process, the resulting news downplays the new power system in Washington. News scandals involve the personal foibles of politicians not their debts to narrow interests. This information system makes it difficult for independent minded leaders to enter politics in the first place. Now, if and that book was came out in nineteen ninety six during the election of, of, of President then President Clinton. And if I must say so, that is a telling indication of, of where we are today. That's twenty one years ago. So if you can imagine that the, the majority of the news agencies out here are not or do not have the public interest in mind and they're owned by a, a, uh, a few people or a few a few corporations. So everything you get politically is sponsored by some organization um, that controls um, the people doing the speaking on on issues. America great again. In your opinion, what are some of the things that would allow America to be great again? 
are willing to stand by and watch another administration go down the same misguided path as the previous, or will you speak out and mobilize against it? That's a question I have for everybody who either supported or did not support the current president, President Trump. The onus is on us as citizens of this nation to to stand up for our beliefs, to stand up for our, for our liberty. When the politician goes out there and, he, and he's and he's campaigning and stuff, he sounds real good when he speaks. He sounds like he's, you know, his interests are the best interests of, of, of his constituents. But it's not true. The majority of the donations coming into in, in political campaigns these days are enormous, and they come from a, a select group of people. Well, yes, I mean, we contribute to them. Um, monetarily, but our contribution it pales in comparison to the corporate com- contribution. They can contribute as much money as they can. For example, the Hillary Clinton campaign um, raked in more than five hundred and thirty-six something million dollars in the election cycle last year. Five hundred and thirty-six million dollars—a half a billion dollars that came in to the coffers of the Hillary Clinton campaign. And Donald Trump uh, was just over $300 million. Excuse me, $300 million. So where did that money go? Did that money go into funding her speeches? Did that money go into helping the causes of, of the people who voted for her? Or did that money go into the pockets of, of politicians and, and corporations? $500 million, half a billion dollars. What would you do with just a percent of that type of money? One percent. One percent of five hundred million. What would you do? What could you do? Would you take care of your family? Could you could you pay down some of your debt? So I guess like the question to me is why why are we supporting these politicians with all this money? Why aren't there laws designed specifically to to hinder the corporate interests from dominating the political arena? How is a corporation even legal to donate to a political campaign? I don't know. I, I need an expert on here to really break down how it's legal for corporations to to do such things, how they sway the voting blocks and how people are being used as pawns in the game. Now, there is a is a large you know, discontent with with so-called illegals here in America, and in in some cases, I believe that 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 feeling of discontent is is correct because they are undermining our political process. They are undermining our livelihoods by being here illegal, illegally. There are processes in place right now where these so-called illegals can be legal citizens. Now, how come they don't do that process? I can tell you why they don't do the process, because it it is uh, a process that was maintained and put together by bureaucrats, elected bureaucrats at that. And and the process is long and arduous, and, 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 and some people just don't want to deal with it, unfortunately. I know immigrants who have came to America legally. They went through the process 
I wonder how they feel about all the illegals here in America, in this country, voting, getting welfare, or any other governmental subsidized handout. How do they feel? Me as American, I, I feel I, I don't feel very good about it. And for the ones that went through legal process, I'm sure they don't feel good about it. Moving on. Um, I had a caller call in last week, Joe from Wisconsin, who uh, who mentioned a documentary called Bought, B-O-U-G-H-T. And I highly recommend people look at that documentary because it, it exposes the fraudulent behavior of the medical mafia here in America. Not only, not only does it expose the medical mafia, it exposes the politicians and the people involved in the decision-making and legislation being passed through means of, of intimidation, uh, criminality, and so forth. So I recommend, I highly recommend people um, give themselves maybe an hour or so and sit down and watch that documentary. It, it should have an impact on your life. It should make you think and wonder about um, where you want to take your health in the future. So I think that's important. And, and in my opinion, that is the most, the best way you can be liberated from from the things that go on in, in our everyday lives, the things that, that, that don't allow us to progress our health is the most important thing, in my opinion. So if you get a chance, listeners, please do check that out. Um, and also, Joe from Wisconsin brought to my attention. I had to look this, look up, uh, look into this uh, uh, not very deeply, but I did look at on the surface. Uh, Trump's uh, executive order passed on December 21st of this past year, um, stating that uh, the people involved and criminal networks that abuse children um, will be prosecuted and their assets will be um, uh, taken control of. So um, the executive order is crucial, I believe, and I think that executive order is going to go after the pedophile network that exists here in America that is really the linchpin of the most corrupt politicians and and uh, power brokers here in America. So who owns the news agencies in America? Who are the gatekeepers? In my opinion, well, it's not even my opinion. It's, it's fact that, that these news organizations, from Fox News to MSNBC, are nothing but intelli- intelligence-gathering operations with um, intelligent officers at the forefront uh, of, of the news media that are, are feeding you lies and propaganda that we consume or as consumers, we take that in and we, and we digest it and we try to apply these lies and propaganda to our lives, which is darn near impossible to do because it's, it's made up nonsense. So, um, Like we can do better than that. Um, people need to to get informed and, and inform themselves 
of their daily goings in the um, in their lives. And media is not the way to understand yourself or your situation. As a matter of fact, you should run to the media. You should turn it off and have a conversation with with your neighbor or your brother or your friends. I think that is the best way to have an understanding. Um, moving along. Um, I also um, have a clip that I want to play um, in a moment uh, by Walter Williams. And he is giving a discussion to um, to some people about um, the Young America's Foundation, which is uh, YAF.org. Um, he's giving a speech to these people, and, he, and he's just describing um, describing what liberty is to him and what it means. Um, so if we're not going to take a break, I, I will go ahead and play that clip from Walter Williams, a professor at uh, Georgetown or George Mason University. Now, for the last half century, free enterprise and what it is, what it implies has been under unrelenting attack in our country. Americans from all walks of life, whether they realize or not, have demonstrated a deep and abiding contempt for private property rights and economic freedom. Free enterprise in our country is threatened today not because of its failure, but somewhat ironically, because of its success. (coughs) That is, capitalism, or free enterprise, has been so successful in eliminating the traditional problems of mankind such as disease, pestilence, hunger, and gross poverty, that all other human problems appear to us to be at once inexcusable and unbearable. The desire by many Americans to eliminate these so-called inexcusable and unbearable problems has led us away from the basic ideals and principles upon which our nation was built. In the name of other ideals, such as equality of income, sex and race balance, affordable housing, medical care, orderly markets, consumer protection, energy conservation, we go on and on, we have abandoned many personal freedoms. As a result of widespread control by government in an effort to achieve these so-called higher objectives, we're increasingly being subordinated to the point where considerations of personal liberty are are either secondary or tertiary matters. What I'm saying Basic personal liberty is treated with contempt 
by our government. Now, you say, well, aren't you exaggerating a little bit, Williams? Well, imagine I write a letter to the United States Congress. I tell them, my name is Walter Williams. I am an emancipated adult. I am fully capable of taking care of my retirement needs. And if I fail to do so, let me starve or beg, but stop taking money out of my paycheck for Social Security. How do you think I'd be greeted? <laughs> It'd be greeted with contempt. That is, here are some people telling you and me how much we should set, set aside out of each, pay, uh, each, uh, each week's paycheck for retirement. How would you feel if they told us how much to set aside for housing, for entertainment, for food? We'd, we'd view it with contempt. We'd really say that that is totalitarianism. But we Americans accept that. Now, the ultimate end to this process that we're witnessing in our country is totalitarianism. Now, I am not saying that we are a totalitarian nation yet. But if you ask the question, which way are we headed, tiny steps at a time, are we headed towards more personal liberty or more government control over our lives? It'd have to unambiguously be the latter. More government control over our lives. Now, again, the ultimate end to this is totalitarianism. Now, we're not, we're not as I said, we're not totalitarian yet, but we're moving there step, tiny steps at a time. The great philosopher David Hume said, it is seldom that liberty of any kind, is lost all at once. It's always lost bit by bit. And that's what we're losing, our liberty, bit by bit. My late colleague, Leonard Reed, the founder of the Foundation for Economic Education, he explained it another way, and I like it this way. He said that if you wanted to take liberty away from Americans, you had to know how to cook a frog. <laughs> And he said that you cannot cook a frog by putting, a fr putting on a pot of boiling water and throwing the frog in the water. Because the frog's reflexes are so quick that as soon as his feet hit the boiling water, he'd hop away and be free. Leonard Reed said the way to cook a frog is to put on a pot of cold water and put the frog in the water and heat it up bit by bit. And by the time the frog realized he was being cooked, it was too late. <laughs> That's the same thing with the American people. Anybody coming over, here, take, coming over here taking all of our liberties all at once, we would righteously rebel. But they can talk about taking away our liberties bit by bit as they're doing. Now, the primary justification for the attack on private property, economic freedom, and privacy can be found in people's desire for the government to do good. We all say things like, well, government should care for the poor. Government should help failing businesses. Government should help the elderly. 
Government should help college students. Government should help other deserving segments of our society. But we have to recognize that government or Congress has no resources of its very own. That is all that what I mean by that is that all those programs coming out of Washington or your state capitol, it does not represent congressmen and senators reaching in their own pockets and sending out the money. <laughs> Moreover, there's no tooth fairy or Santa Claus giving them money. So when you recognize that government has no resources of its very own, that forces you to recognize that the only way the government can give one American citizen one dollar is to first, through intimidation, threats, and coercion, confiscate that dollar from some other American. Now, if you think I'm being too loose with the terms intimidation, threats, and coercion, well, you have until April 15th next year to check me out. <laughs> you can tell the agents of Congress that you're very happy to pay the constitutionally mandated function of the federal government, but you are not going to have your earnings going to help foreigners, poor people, failing businesses, farmers. You will see all the intimidation, threats, and coercion that you want to see, and if you act it too tough, you get shot <laughs> by the agents of the United States government, by the Congress. In other words, we Americans, we support and we encourage government to do those immoral things that if a private person did the identical thing, we would roundly condemn him as an ordinary, despicable, low-down thief. Let me give you an example of this. Suppose I see an elderly lady sleeping on a grate in downtown Washington in the dead of winter. She's hungry, she needs medical attention, and she needs shelter. And suppose I walked up to Ron with a gun in my hand, and I said, Ron, give me your $200. And then with the $200, I go down, buy the lady some medical attention, some shelter and food. Would you find me guilty of a crime? Of course you'd find me guilty of crime. You'd find me guilty of theft. And what is theft? Theft is taking the rightful property of one person and giving it to another to whom it does not belong. Now, don't get me wrong. I think that helping one's fellow man in need is praiseworthy and laudable. I think that helping one's fellow man in need by reaching in your own pockets to do so is praiseworthy and laudable. Helping your fellow man by reaching in somebody else's pockets to do so is worthy of condemnation. And, and for the Christians among us, we have to keep in mind, when God gave Moses the commandment, thou shalt not steal, he didn't mean that thou shalt not steal unless you got a majority vote in the United States Constitution. <laughs> He meant, thou shall not steal. <laughs> uh, so true. Um, 
it's amazing what, what we deal with. Um, and it's amazing how we put ourselves through this rigorous field of combatants, these politicians, these, these laws and regulations that, that hinder our, our liberty. And um, we'll take this caller, Rick, um, from Arizona. Rick, what's on your mind today? Yeah, good evening. I guess I know you don't like Social Security, but what's your attitude toward having 241 billionaires in the United States ascending on the Super Bowl in February? Um, be contrary, I think it's great because it's here in, in my state of Minnesota in Minneapolis, so it's wonderful. <laughs> but on a serious note, um, uh, Social Security, you know, I, I, I really don't have a, a, a understanding of Social Security um, because I, I have the firm belief that we are our own Social Security, meaning that the things that we do in our lives, whether we are saving money or or doing the, 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 the working for an objective where we can take care of ourselves down the road. So I personally don't have a, a say on that because I'm not of that. I'm not in that uh, age bracket. I don't have enough knowledge about the whole social security type of thing. But uh, what's your what's your standpoint, Rick? Well, um, I guess if we had real free enterprise and and free markets, and the cartels weren't in every pocket of the economy, uh, you might be able to save for retirement. Now, I don't. I'm not broke. But I've been around people in different industries that are in the age bracket between 20 and 35, and they're never going to have any money unless something changes dramatically. So I guess what we have here in America is what I call the five-people economy. Five people run the oil industry. Five people run the uh, mass media. Five people run Hollywood. Five people run the Internet. What we have mm-hmm. is too much money going into the hands of too few people now, if you're 50 years and older and you got money, you're okay. But I'm just saying, if anybody below 35 and they don't come from money, they're not going to have any. So I hear the social security. I hear the, you know, I hear people talk it down, but I don't hear them talking about, you know, the, you know, concentration of wealth and all the opportunity it vacuums up when so few people control so much of the economy. Mm-hmm. Rick, I think you're you're right on with that with that notion, and I agree. But you're scared me because I, I'm just I've just made it out of that bracket you described between the 35. I just made it out of that bracket, so I, I have a future, but sort of not. And to be honest, I'm broke. Okay, but I know that in my in my being and my soul, I'm gonna work hard every day of my life and provide for my family. Uh, because as we know, you can't take anything with you when you're dead. Unfortunately. I mean, you can pass it on, you can pass your wealth on and all that, but uh, I agree with you 100%. And let me ask you something, Rick. Is it the fault of these five people that Americans and people, workers of the world, are willingly going along with with being a, a, a slave to the system where they don't see the forest for the trees and, and they are are going along just a cog in a wheel, just, just going along with their lives because they feel that this is the only way they can get ahead, not realizing their true potential into saving money and creating industry and creating their own enterprise amongst themselves, their family, and the people. What's your what's your thought on that? 
Well, what we have is antitrust laws that go way back, and they have not been enforced. And what we have is 535 representatives who basically are all lawyers. You know, most of them are. <laughs> so what we have here is just a higher class of people outsmarting and hoarding everything for themselves. And unfortunately, a good chunk of the country has been dumbed down, and they're not sophisticated enough to look at it and try to figure out what's really wrong. But when you have 241 people in this country with net worth, net worth of over a billion dollars is mm. what I would say is just a little grotesque. And we get we mm. hear it from Rush Limbaugh, how we, you know, go out there and get a job. But these people protect their own, and by protecting their own, it's cutting off the economy to about over half the people in this country. So, anyways, mm. well, thank you for taking my call. All right, I appreciate your call, Rick. Um, he's, Rick's absolutely right. Um, we... We don't, as a society, even project ourselves to being wealthy or even wanting to go down that path of, of creating our own wealth or or setting aside a certain amount for ourselves and our family and ourselves. Now, look, and, and it's funny how, how callers and people, they all call in and they all touch upon things that I've mentioned previously or they have all the same ideas because the, the calls here at RBN, I, I can honestly say, are, are the best callers in the world because they have a, a, a certain level of understanding of, of how things truly work. And they're not blind, not the de facto blind to their environment and what's going on. So I, I enjoy what I do right now because I get to speak to these, to, to these people who call in to have this understanding. And as we all know, knowledge is the true power. Well, now, why would, why, tell me something, why would we charge an absurd amount of money for education in our nation? Why, why is it costing me nowadays $36,000 a year? You add that up over $100,000 for a, a bachelor's degree in liberal arts to get a piece, piece of paper that has no relevancy to um, my economic standpoint or how I'm able to provide for my, for my family. We have fundamentally gone so far to the left, no pun intended, to think that collectively we are going to get to a spot that's better than where we're at individually. It's not the case. I can't be responsible or the, the, the people, the hundreds of people I see in the street panhandling for change and money uh, who are of working age and get out there and grind and work just like I can. I can only be responsible for myself and my family. But I can have the, the humanity and the desire to help those people. But as the old saying goes, you can lead a horse, horse to, excuse me, a horse to water, but you can't make them drink it. You know, when I was told that years ago, I was like, Mom, Dad, you guys are crazy. Like, what, what does that even mean? And then you, you, as you get older, you get more knowledgeable, you realize exactly what that means. We have to have the desire to drink from the knowledge or the well of the, the well of knowledge. That is the true power. That's why it costs so much money to get yourself so-called educated. But here's the thing. I'm going to let you all on a secret. 
let you on a secret real quick. You can gain knowledge by yourself. You can pick up a book about subjects and read it. If you are able to read, and even if you're not able to read, you're able to go and seek somebody who can read and help you read. Let's be honest. All experts in any field are experts because they chose to read upon a subject matter that interests them the most. And the people and these experts who are really good at what they do, they somehow can create enterprise from their expertise. I'm going to give you an example. IT. I'm in the IT industry, thankfully. The IT industry is an industry where you are constantly reading. You're constantly keeping up with the latest technology, the latest threats, the latest things you can do on a computer level to to um, to um, help out companies, enterprises, and so on and so forth. So the biggest thing that, that you can do in the IT industry and to be successful at it is read. You read the material, and then you go out and you get certifications on the material that you read, whether it's Cisco, whether it's Juniper, whether it's whether it's anything in technology. Just read. That's all you have to do. You can be an expert at technology. And these people are getting paid well in, uh, um, compared to the service industry where you're making minimum wage. Like, for instance, like that, the baseline pay for people in the, the technology industry, the, the lowest the lowest of the lowest level in the technology industry, is like 15 to, to $20 an hour. Wouldn't people love to go do technology and, and get into technology? I think that's what you should do. Get, you know, that's, that's our future. That's where we're going. That's where we're headed. I advise the young people who are in that bracket of 20 to 35 who, who are out there who are seeking education, go look up technology. Go get into technology. Read that. Back in a moment. World are those that was born in heaven, which is called hell, and had to work hard for everything they got, and never had nothing handed to them, and never will. I'm only at the age of 10, and life already seems to me like it's heading for a dead end. Cause my mom be smoking mad crack, my pops went out for a fast snack, and never brought his ass back. Nobody knows how I feel, it's quite ill, cause I had to still fulfill my stomach with a nice meal. Too ashamed to walk the streets, wearing the same cheap sneaks and dirty even my holidays got damaged Cause on Christmas I asked Santa for a father and a hot sandwich I just can't take it And every day I ask myself how will I make it It seems like my life been cursed Ever since I was a child And how will I make it I won't, that's how I walk around with a frown I got no reason to smile And how will I make it I won't, that's how And your times was rough I had to grow up foul Corporate media dominates the American opinion Finding independent voices that counter this avalanche is becoming increasingly difficult. With the endless corruption running rampant throughout our government, independent voices are needed more than ever to battle the offensive against our freedoms and liberties. As a listener of RBN, no one understands this concept better than you. Now it's up to you to do your part. The time has come for you to take action and begin broadcasting the truth to hundreds or thousands of people every month. Sound impossible? 
Quite the contrary. With pointed slogans from LibertyStickers.com, you can reach countless sleeping Americans unaware that they live in a real-life wonderland. LibertyStickers.com has a huge inventory of political bumper stickers and messages that reflect the truth about our government, our politicians, and the future of America. With so many in stock, there's one perfect for you. Visit us today at LibertyStickers.com. Again, that's LibertyStickers.com. Do your part. Your voice is important. Let it be heard. Do you know there is an ongoing war right here in America? Are you aware that U.S. citizens have been classified as enemies of the state since 1933? Have you recognized that our entire government is really a vast network of interlocking corporations engaged in commerce? Look up Title 28, Section 3002. Tune in to In Defense of Humanity on Saturday nights at 7 p.m. Central Time. Find out what's really going on. And learn how to protect yourself and your family as flesh and blood men and women living in a corporate reality. Do you or a loved one suffer migraine headaches? Listen to what scientist Kurt Hendricks has to say. 35 million people in the United States suffer with debilitating migraines. If you or a loved one are one of them, you need to know about MigRelief. Hi, I'm Kurt Hendricks, the scientist that formulated and patented the MigRelief migraine formula. MigRelief is a non-prescription dietary supplement recommended by neurologists, pharmacists, and pediatricians to address nutritional deficiencies in both adults and children over two with migraines. Try MigRelief for three months and see the powerful difference it can make in your life or get your money back, no questions asked. Go to MIG911.com or call 800-MIG-7354. You can change your life today. So if you suffer from migraines, don't wait. Call 800-MIG-7354. That's 800-MIG-7354 or visit MIG911.com. W-R-G-H-I-T. This is your host, Abdul Shahid. And just to back up Rick and Arizona again, he is completely correct. But here's the thing. We all have the power to be self-sufficient. We all have the power to to go out there and, and create other lives for ourselves. Just for the example of Thomas Sowell or... or, or, or um, Walter Williams. I mean, these guys come from from the so-called ghetto, the hood, from the slums, and they all. What do they do? Uh, they read. They, they educate themselves. Uh, their parents didn't have a, a, a high degree of education. They did it themselves. Pull themselves up by the proverbial bootstraps, 
and 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 wanted something better for themselves and the family. They went out and did it. So, and and that's and that's what I want to really get people to really focus on. Um, I'll give you an example of this. We talked. Uh, Rick was telling uh, talked to us about you know you know five people who who run run our lives and run the world and monetarily and the richest people in this nation. They talk about the five people, but here's the thing. Look at examples of um, Black Wall Street in uh, cities throughout America, here in America, Detroit, uh, Kansas, uh, Omaha, um, Harlem, and these other places in North Carolina. Um, these places, these cities took the standpoint, these, these communities, these people took the standpoint, hey, look, we suffer enough hardship from people on the outside of our community, outside of our families. We're going to take the position that we will create our own economy. We will build our own businesses. We will come together and do this. And in many cases, these cities, these places, Black Wall Street was very successful, thriving, uh, and, and the, which created wealth for the community and the people in it and educating um, the kids, the children, and all that. So just to briefly, um, to finish up, I want to read from um, Education, a Sacred Matter, commentary by uh, Imam W.D. Muhammad, um, one of our leaders. Um, but uh, this is uh, from the paragraph, Confusing Ideas of Human Identity, because this is very important. They take the human idea, fall in love with it, forget God, and do not consult God. They do not look for causes and effects going all the way back as far as they can with their power and imagination, of imagination and intelligence. They do not do that. They do not do that. They fall in love with the human edificy and romanticizes it away from God into corruption and call it humanism. Satan inspired them to do that. Why? Because we need the correct model of human excellence to keep our life and keep it conforming to the best. So they rob the people of it by confusing the idea of human identity and human worth and exaggerating it and taking it to extremes, to the extremes. This is one of the schemes of of Satan, humanism. Liberalism is another one. The prophet declared that he is free because freedom is a precious property. If you possess freedom, you have a precious property. You have a sacred property but that, understand it, can be confused by the suggestions of the Satan. And your freedom and then becomes a handicap and a detriment, something that uh, dismembers you. This is the truth being spoken. Everybody wake up. Time to take our country back. Peace. Good night. How I feel is quite ill Cause I had to steal the fill My stomach with a nice meal Too ashamed to walk the streets Wearing the same cheap sneaks And dirty outfits for weeks Even my holidays got damaged Cause on Christmas Let's see Without the right accessories Any guy can be off the mark Whether you've invested thousands in your arsenal Or you own a single trusted firearm A visit to aroutfitting.com is in order It's one of the finest online selections of tactical optics and AR parts and add-ons, like EOTech, quick target acquisition with no peripheral loss. Browse the full range of Nikon scopes and binoculars. AirOutfitting.com can illuminate your world with streamlight gun-mounted lights from keychain to large handhelds up to 1,100 lumens. 
Find some stability with Battenfield Tactical Bipods. AirOutfitting.com has CMMG gun parts, barrels, assemblies, handguards, part kits, and more. Plus magful clips and magazines. I know I've got you excited, so take a breath. Head to AirOutfitting.com. The site's super easy to navigate and features a ton of technical info, including links to manuals. We also welcome vendor and manufacturer inquiries. Remember, if you don't see it, we can get it at AirOutfitting.com.